welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rosher, Global Head of Reed Smith's international arbitration practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Welcome back on Arbitral Insight. I'm very pleased to be today uh, with uh, Diamana Diawara and uh, Andrew Tetley, my partner from uh, the Paris office. Diamana, thank you very much for joining us today. You are the uh, ICC Regional Director for Africa, and we are very pleased to uh, welcome you today to talk about your news and uh, what's going on on uh, ICC activities in Africa. So thank you. Thank you very much, Clément, and good afternoon to you. And Andrew, it's a real pleasure to be here with you today. So maybe I can start, Diamana, by asking you just to introduce yourself uh, a little bit so that the listeners can know a little bit more about yourself. Yes, well, I, I don't know that the most interesting part of the conversation today is uh, about myself, but just a little background. I have been with the ICC International Court of Arbitration for over 10 years now. Just over 10 years, I was previously a deputy counsel in the secretariat of the ICC court before leading as counsel the team in charge of disputes involving parties from Africa, Middle East, and Francophone Europe. And in that capacity, I have had the great possibility to gain knowledge and expertise about the African continent, about the disputes on the African continent, which then led to uh, my taking on the role as ICC Director for Arbitration and EDR in Africa uh, in January 2021. Excellent. Uh, and I, of course, uh, Diamana, we've spent six years on the court, I suppose, using the court together. So uh, we've, we've crossed paths before, but uh, you, you've got much longer experience of the ICC than I, and, and, and as African matters go, vastly more. Um, tell us a little bit about your current position, because it's new at the ICC, and, and what, what it involves, what you're doing, what's going on. Uh, let, us, let, us, let us know. What, what's many happening? questions. Many questions. Well, you are perfectly correct, Andrew. It is a new position, which was created, as I mentioned, in January 2021, basically on, on the very basic observation that uh, this was the one last part of the of the world, the globe, that ICC DRS, Dispute Resolution Services, was not covering with a specific department dedicated to promotion of our activities, capacity building in that specific region. So that's where it came from. As I mentioned, my previous, uh, my past in the secretariat and the court just made me quite of a natural candidate, I think, for that position. Also, because I am uh, myself African, I'm Malian and French. I uh, did uh, most of my education in Europe, in France uh, and in the US, uh, but I also have that personal tie to the African continent, which also made me, I think, the right fit for, for that position. Now, what does that position entail? What activities we have? There's so much to be said. In 2021, the first steps were for us to sort of lay the ground uh, for the arbitration community on the African continent in terms of presence of ICC 
the different partnerships that we wanted to create uh, or that we were thinking about. And at the same time, as you know, uh, 2021 was the moment when the leadership of the ICC court changed with the arrival of Claudia Salomon as uh, the first female president of the ICC court. And that also has led to a number of changes and initiatives. I think the one that I would really flag as the main change beyond the creation of a department dedicated to Africa is the creation of the ICC uh, Africa Commission. It was actually first launched under the leadership of Alex Moore back in 2018, the former president of the ICC court. But with uh, Claudia coming on board, we decided to strengthen that ICC Africa Commission by creating a core group of African uh, practitioners based in Africa who would lead the activities of the commission. And maybe we can come back later on the details of those uh, activities. And uh, a secondary group which is composed of practitioners, African practitioners as well, uh, some of whom are ICC court members, uh, others who are in the ICC uh, Commission on Arbitration and ADR, but all of them with the role of sort of ambassadors for the activities of the ICC uh, Africa Commission. Why am I putting an emphasis on that Africa Commission? It's because it is the sort of the backbone and the, the for me, the strongest partner in the activities that my department leads in Africa for ICCDRS. The commission has been, uh, has a new chair who is uh, Thierry Ngoga, a, a lawyer from Rwanda, who is also the ICC court member for Rwanda. And with Thierry Ngoga, we have defined the objectives and strategy of the commission to be able to carry the different activities that ICC has in mind for the African continent, starting with capacity building, a number of trainings uh, for different stakeholders with knowledge sharing. And there we mean uh, in particular making the African arbitration related case law or doctrine generally more accessible to the arbitration community around the globe. Uh, and we hope to see the first publications in that regard in, uh, in the next quarter. And a last aspect of that commission, but extremely important at this point, is, of course, identifying and helping nurture the future uh, leaders of arbitration in Africa. And for, that, for us, this is an extremely important part of our role on the African continent and the progress of arbitration and dispute resolution in general in Africa. Thank you, Diamana. And, and I think it's very interesting to see how the ICC as an institution, and just jumping on what you just said, is a leader in terms of helping younger uh, practitioners to get into the, the market. And I, I was seeing the, the All the Door Open initiative, for instance, among others. How do you see the, briefly, I mean, the, the, the role of ICC in, in terms of access to the arbitration community and the arbitration sort of markets, if you wish? I think to answer your, your question, Clément, I would like to maybe go a little bit further back in time and maybe talk about what relations ICC had with Africa and where we want to go and, and why it is so important for us at this point in time to really actively involve the younger African, African community. Uh, Africa is not new for, for, for ICC. 
and not just ICCDRS, ICC as the International Chamber of Commerce, which is the World Business Organization. Uh, our dispute resolution services, as you know, come in support to the business community in order to uh, help the trade and in particular the international cross-border trade take place in the, in the most peaceful manner and the most efficient way. And I'm mentioning that because beyond the work that we're doing in Africa with respect to dispute resolution, ICC as a global global organization already had a number of ties with the African continent. We, for example, have a partnership with the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, uh, with which we're working on our centers of entrepreneurship. And these are activities that are in continuity with work that we had already, uh, for which we had already laid the ground in the past before my department was created, before this partnership happened on the African com continent. We've always in the focus, uh, the needs of the business community on the African continent. Now, the position of ICCDRS in Africa, obviously, would draw from that previous, uh, from that past uh, experience uh, that the ICC as a whole had and has in Africa, but more importantly, uh, cannot happen without, I want to say the help, but more than that, it's really working hand in hand with the African community, uh, not just the arbitration community, but the business community. When it comes to arbitration, although, as I said, Africa is not new for ICC. There is a clear observation that ICC has met, but just as many other international uh, arbitration institutions, which is a clear underrepresentation of African practitioners in our area of practice. And we want to be able to tackle that, not only by having a better access to our cases for African practitioners to sit as not only arbitrators, but also to be present as counsel when that is relevant. But more importantly for us, the stake is really to be able to offer the business communities in Africa and in business community, I have to make a note here, I also include the state actors, which are extremely important for us on that continent. We want to be able to equip them with an understanding of what generally dispute resolution can bring to them and can help with what dispute resolution can help the African continent in this great moment that the continent is living in terms of economic development. There are a number of economies that are reaching the stage of emerging economies. I'm thinking of Morocco, uh, obviously Nigeria, or of, uh, countries such as Senegal, which are uh, very serious contenders to that positioning as emerging economies as opposed to developing economies. And in that in that very intense economic change, what we see is an increase of obviously, you know, business transactions, which naturally comes with an increase of disputes. And that's where we know that it is extremely important for us to accompany all of these different stakeholders in Africa. And that's why we decided to focus on the younger community in Africa when it comes to DRS. Thank you. Perhaps now looking uh, forward a little bit and also at the various regional uh, uh, areas. I mean, as we know, Africa is, is diverse. I mean, 54 jurisdictions. Then the question is, is the appetite for arbitration different? Will it develop differently in, let's say, francophone, lusophone or anglophone Africa uh, and the various regions also, west and east and uh, south? Obviously, the question is very wide, but maybe what's your view at, at that point looking forward in terms of, uh, of developments and trends? 
that that is a, not an easy one. What I can say from my you know observation stand in a way is that I think traditionally we tended to divide the continent between North Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. We're slowly moving moving away from this type of, of division or analysis of the African continent when it comes to arbitration, simply because we see more and more cross-continental trade and the creation of the, I mean, the entry into force of the AFCFTA, uh, I think is, is the biggest testament of that uh, important change in Africa. And naturally, we were talking a bit earlier about, you know, business transaction. We know that in Intracontinental transactions will increase dramatically, and I'm thinking of countries such as Morocco, who are very, you know, strongly positioning themselves as uh, the leaders in this intracontinental African trading. I was in Casablanca just a couple of weeks ago, and every actor that I've met at the state level or business, private business organizations are clearly uh, focusing on Africa as opposed to their partners outside of the African continent. I think that that says a lot, and also the fact that. Uh, Morocco is a country even looking at potentially becoming part of OHADA. So just to say that this North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa divide is less and less relevant. Now, of course, Africa comes with a strong uh, language divide, which is a heritage of the, the colonial period between, you know, Anglophone, Francophone, Lusophone Africa. Each of those different parts of the continent are extremely important. I'm telling you with a crystal ball which one uh, will evolve, which way, which one is more important. I don't know that I can do that. But from an arbitration perspective, what I can tell you is that we see clearly a very big difference between Anglophone, some Anglophone African countries, and I'm thinking here of Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, although South Africa, I would say, is a very particular jurisdiction for many different reasons. But in those jurisdictions that I have just referred to, you do already have a very uh, well-furnished arbitration community of legal practitioners with, you know, uh, seasoned legal practitioners with great expertise in arbitration uh, who are even sometimes specializing in arbitration. If you look at the Francophone or the Lusophone parts in the continent, this is less true. You will have more of our colleagues there having general transactional, international transactions activities. And, you know, in their practice from time to time, they would have an arbitration or a disputes component coming in through their regular clients. So that for me tells us that also there is uh, one of the main developments that we will see is the structuring of those uh, francophone or lusophone arbitration communities or legal practitioners communities into a, a more focused, a more specialized community uh, with hopefully practitioners uh, of those different parts of the continents who will be themselves specialists of our area of practice of the law. Uh, so I think that's one of the main changes that I see happening. Another type of change that I that I that I see or, or or evolution on the continent that I see happening is clearly the intensification of and that's true for the entire continent of implication of African practitioners in not just ICC DRS but generally dispute resolution arbitration expertise mediation 
as council i think i think that's also one of the one of the big uh, weaknesses today of the international uh, dispute resolution community it is not enough inclusive when it comes to the african colleagues and that is changing slowly initiatives of the the initiatives of the africa commission i think contribute to that but there are many other organizations who have you know, impressive initiatives in that regard. I'm thinking of the Africa Arbitration Academy, which for the past, I think since 2018, has been uh, contributing to training and doing uh, knowledge sharing, capacity building for young legal practitioners from the African continent and allowing them to come uh, for three weeks in Europe and get direct contact with direct contact and exchanges with their colleagues from Europe, get the knowledge that will allow them when they go back home to be able to take on some of those cases by themselves. Or in pairing with some of the European teams, I still think that's probably the best uh, model that we can think of today. So I think these type of initiatives are, are very laudable and I'm really hoping to see more. One of them is also the initiative of the ICC court that you were referring to earlier, Clément, the Hold the Door Open Initiative, HDO, which was launched uh, with a call for application at the end of 2021 and with the objective of allowing young African practitioners to attend arbitration hearings that may be procedural hearings, substantive hearing, and just learn by observation. We are a lot of the practitioners, international practitioners in arbitration are thinking of giving opportunities to African practitioners through internships, through uh, secondment. But at the end of the day, the best way to learn is still in, you know, see all of that work come together is at the time of the hearing. And very few of those young African practitioners get to attend uh, a hearing. Very few of them get to see how all of this work that is done ahead of the, the hearing that leads to an award comes together at the time of the hearing. So we really are, we're thinking with, under the leadership of Claudia Salomon, that with the huge caseload that we have at the ICC, we're talking about over 1,800 cases pending simultaneously. We were thinking, we have to take advantage of that amazing roster of cases and, and try whenever possible to, to give that insight to the young African uh, practitioners and, and, and hopefully help them in gaining, building cap their capacity, gaining knowledge of how an arbitration is led and, and hopefully themselves one day being those leading uh, the arbitrations, not just for the continent, but more globally. I think uh, that's what we're all looking at at this moment. So, as I was saying, these are some of the, the developments that we see, the initiatives that we're also pushing to help those developments. But there's still so much to do and so much to say <laughs> about arbitration in Africa. I have to say that you can, you, I, I could talk for hours about this. Well, on the uh, Hold the Door Open initiative, uh, we've had two years of being stuck indoors uh, with COVID and the emergence of virtual hearings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is that something that, you know, in practical terms uh, facilitates what you're trying to do? Because, I mean, subject obviously to, uh, it'd be interesting to hear, hear a bit more how that's going, because, I mean, obviously arbitration is, is for many people a confidential process. So the whole the doors open is, 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 it seems on the face of it to sort of be a bit bit against that. But but are, are the parties to these arbitrations, are they helping you to, to move this initiative forward? or? <laughs> Thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to, to answer that fear that many practitioners probably have when they hear about the HDO initiative. Uh, yes, arbitration is, is confidential and no HDO does not go against that. 
basically what we've done is that we have reached out to arbitral tribunals and to parties and asked them whether they would give consent to taking on one or more HDO uh, uh, scholars as uh, observers. So we have finalized the, the, I'm very happy to say that we have finalized the, the selection of the scholars for year 2022. And we've started approaching arbitral tribunals with some favorable answers, which is great. And so the idea is that this won't happen if we do not obviously have the consent of everyone involved in the case. Uh, that's the first, <laughs> the first point, Andrew. I suppose I was being a bit nosy. I was wondering how, how, how much success you're having. And certainly in arbitrations that I've been involved in, and we've had the equivalent of uh, outside scholars coming in at the request well, of tribunals themselves. And so, so it certainly does happen. And, and I, I think it's a tremendous initiative. But then it's a question of whether the, the arbitral world is then embracing that in terms and, and the clients, users and that. Well, you just said yourself that you had tribunals reach out and ask, and, and, and I'm assuming that you agreed. And yeah, that parties you, all agreed, absolutely. You convince yeah. your client to follow. So that's absolutely. what we're expecting at this point. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've tested the initiative, obviously, with some colleagues uh, in different places to check whether, you know, the, there would be adhesion to the process. And honestly, the, the answers were very, very massively positive. I do, I think that it needs to be clear for everyone that ICC is extremely serious about, uh, you know, not just confidentiality generally, but its role and its responsibility when it comes to its cases. So obviously, the objective is not to endanger any of that. But we're also counting on the goodwill of everyone in the process. And we're, we will obviously stay away from those cases that, you know, you know those cases, right? right. Yes. Uh, yeah, there are, that's right. There are some cases that, that really do need to stay confidential. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll stay away from them. And we don't expect any of those young practitioners to, you know, deviate from their commitment. They're, they're signing an, a non-disclosure agreement with ICC when they enter the, the program. And there's no reason why they, they would jeopardize that or their reputation this is really meant to be a, a capacity building initiative and, and nothing more. When you were referring, uh, Andrew, to come back to your question to whether the, the context of the past couple of years with the pandemic has helped in a way for initiatives such as this one, the, under, the answer is 100% yes. You, you, just get, you just give a login and then they can join. <laughs> Exactly. No, but imagine suddenly you can be based in Dakar, in Lagos, uh, in Johannesburg, and you can join a hearing happening uh, anywhere, which is good also with Africa because it's central time zones. You don't have the problem of having to wake up at 3 a.m. to attend the hearing that is happening on the other side of the globe. So that that's a good thing, actually, for, for, for African. We have one at the moment with Chinese and Peru, and the, the Peru evidence is going to be given at 2 a.m. in the morning, yeah. China time. <laughs> so at least we don't have that problem and cl clearly the fact that we're in this uh, virtual setting still a lot uh, gives us more possibilities that being said we don't exclude some of these observations to happen in in-person hearings when it would be possible again the idea is that these will be silent observers but i think that they can get even more from a physical attendance and yeah observing i see clement moving his hands I think what you're meaning by that is the interaction, the physical interactions during a hearing. So, yes, hopefully that will also happen. Excellent. Well, look, I, I think we've probably gone on uh, more than enough time. And thank you very much for your time, Diamana. Uh, and for the listeners, we thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you back for the next uh, episode on Arbitral Insights. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all those who have uh, stayed on to listen to me.
Many thanks. Thank you, Yaman. Thank you. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the Reed Smith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on reedsmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.